We're jumping into a new series tonight. I'm kicking it off. We're going to go for six weeks leading up to our Catalyst event, which is coming up in February. Oh my gosh, that is so quick. Uh, it is less than two months away, and we're going to have an opportunity to get together, have an incredible weekend together, especially with your life group. And, uh, and leading up to that weekend, Corey and I, and actually Daniel's going to be jumping on it too, uh, we're going to be starting this new series called Walk in the Spirit. And it literally is a study of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, because we're going to do an exercise with it tonight, hopefully if you have a copy of God's Word, I want to encourage you. I know that sometimes when you leave the house on a Wednesday, you think, oh, well, Steve will have it up on the screen. And that is mostly true. I will have it up on the screen. But I do that a lot for our guests and our visitors and the people who don't necessarily know that I need to bring my Bible. But for all of you who are veterans at Exit 15, I would hope that you would kind of get it in your head and make it a habit. I need to bring a copy of God's Word with me when I come. And so uh, if you got a talk sheet when you walked in the door, I think Evan is passing one out, Grace is passing some out. Um, I have Galatians chapter 5 in big letters right there at the top. And we're going to dive into this. And uh, I'm not going to pull any punches. There's no like really creative, like opening illustration. It is grab your Bible. Here we go. All right. Or your talk sheet. Um, and if you have a writing utensil, that's even better. And so um, I have my iPad connected. Galatians chapter five. Let me give you the big picture where we're going here tonight. Paul wrote this letter to the Galatia church. And it literally is an encouragement for them to walk as Christ would want you to walk, live a life that's different in your culture. And so he, it, kind of toward the end of the book, chapter five and six, he literally unpacks this idea, this truth of the difference between what a life of wickedness and a life of fruitfulness in God looks like. And I don't know about you, but I like a good list. I like for people to tell me, here's a good list of things you should, should not do. This is where Paul just unpacks for all of us who like a list. He says, guess what? I have something for you. And so he, uh, in this part of chapter five, verses 16 through 24, I'm using New American Standard. You, if you have a different translation, that's cool. It kind of goes along the same uh, lines, but I want to, as an exercise of studying God's word, I want to teach you how I, when I am in uh, my quiet time, a lot of times, and even when I'm studying God's word for a talk that I get to deliver to you, I'm inviting you in behind the scenes. How I look at a passage of scripture and how it helps me to understand the character and the nature of God. And so whenever I'm reading God's word, I'm very interactive with it. I usually have a pen in my hand whenever I am reading God's word. And that is for me to help me to engage with what I'm reading, okay? And so I'm going to do that in front of you, if anything, if anything, to disciple you and to teach you what is a good way of interpreting God's word and reading God's word with the hope of gaining some truth and some knowledge, okay? Are you in for this? You ready for this? I'm not going to do this every week, but I'm going to do it this week. I thought it would be really cool to do it. So here we go. Um, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 24. Um, and I want to be very clear that I here 
Who is the I? That's always a good one. Paul. Paul is the I. Can y'all read that? Um, and so if you want to do this with your talk sheet, you can actually circle and underline and bracket and write. I want you to go along with me so that you have an idea of what's going on, okay? But I, Paul, say this, walk in the Spirit. So when he says walk in the Spirit, um, that is like this, this, I mean, that's the series. Like for me, I'm looking at if I'm going to be teaching this concept of fruit of the Spirit What's a good theme? Well, the theme of this little part here that Paul is talking about is this is it. Walk in the Spirit. And you will not carry out, I like that, not carry out, that's a good way, the desires of the what? Flesh. What is the flesh? I'm glad that we asked that because Paul answers it for us. He says, for the desire of the flesh is what? Against the Spirit. Okay, the spirit, that's a big one right there. And the spirit is against the what? The flesh, right? What is that? Okay, so there's opposing sides here. You have the spirit and then you have the flesh. And Paul is talking about a fight. I'm giving away the theme for Catalyst right there. <laughs> so here you go. I'm going to try to keep on going. Uh, the theme for Catalyst is fight, by the way incredible. I'm looking for it. We're going to be talking about the fight between the flesh and the spirit. Paul continues to unpack it. He says, he's a little colon there. He says, for these are in opposition to one another, the fight. The opposition is the fight in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, we're in a circle, led by the spirit, because that is an important part of this whole thing right here. You are not under the law, now, the deeds of the flesh, now here's where the list begins, all right? So we're going to put a, a big bracket right here because this is a kind of a divining line in this passage of Scripture, and it goes all the way through to the bottom down here. So uh, there is a big dissertation of a list of the flesh. And you're like, Steve, do you really write in your Bible like this? Yes, I really do. You, I have multiple Bibles that I've had throughout the years, and every one of them I have written in the lines and in the margins. And right now I'm going through the one-year Bible, and I have the one-year Bible, and it, it's like it has the journaling on the side, and I'm just like cruising through this thing, okay? And so now the deeds of the flesh are evident. They're evident. You can't hide sin. You can't hide sin. They're evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities. <laughs> I think that's a big generic word. <laughs> uh, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like this, of which I forewarn you, for I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will what? Not inherit the kingdom of God. What is Paul saying here? One, he's saying you can't hide sin. And you, one, you can't hide sin from other people, but you can't hide sin from God. God knows our hearts. He knows who we are. He knows the wickedness that's in every one of us. And some of us are like, oh, uh, check that one. Idolatry, I have that one every now and then. Uh, it may look like a sport. Witchcraft, eh, probably not so much that one. <laughs> I'm not in, but selfish ambition for sure for sure. 
you can look at this list and you can go, man, I, the, I'm, fail, I, like, I'm missing it here. 100% I'm missing it here. And Paul is reminding us that if you continue to live a life of sin, what you will inherit is not, you will not inherit. That's a good one. Wait, where did it go? Uh, whoa, whoa, that was trippy. Whoa, whoa. I don't know what I did, but that's weird. Woohoo. Oh, hold on. Oh, oh, whoa. See, this is what happens when you. There he goes. I got it back. Okay. <laughs> Let's keep going. I want to circle the word but. This is one of those, and if you read scripture enough, it's a transitional word. If you look at the very beginning of our passage, the same word is up there. It says, but I say. This is a very big transition because he's talked about the, the spirit of the flesh, and now he's turning in the corner. So the opposite of the flesh is what? Is what? What's the opposite of flesh? The spirit. And he says this. He says, but the fruit of the spirit. We're going to put brackets around that because we're going to talk about what is the fruit. I like that because that's not a plural word. There's no S there. There's no fruits of the Spirit. It's just the fruit of the Spirit. I think that's very important for us to understand. And he talks about what they are. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Let's say it together. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. In other words, this is God's idea. This is God's idea. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus... This is probably one of the biggest things for us. Crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is the spot that we don't get right. This. Many of us who are believers in Christ have not gotten to the place where we can crucify the flesh. And I think this is a very key point for us to understand. If we're going to walk in the Spirit, as what the series is, if we're going to walk in the Spirit, then what's going to come out of me walking in the Spirit is going to be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Like, that's going to come out of me. And the way that that happens is that me, my response to that, I have to crucify the flesh. In other words, I have to say no to all my sinful desires. I have to say no to them. Because God cannot, he can't deal with sin. And so therefore he made a way for us to get out of that sin is by trusting and believing in Jesus Christ, the work of Jesus. And that's how we can get rid of the sin in our life. We have to do what Jesus did in crucifying sin on the cross. We need to do that spiritually, not physically. We need to spiritually crucify the sin and say, I'm going to put to death the sin and I'm going to be resurrected in new life and what that means as a believer in Christ. This is a very big concept for anyone who is a believer in Christ, especially for someone who is a new believer. If you've accepted Christ, we probably I would say within the past five or six years, I would say we are in this fight right now of dealing with my sinful nature and surrendering that sinful nature, crucifying that sinful nature in order for me to grow and to become the man or the woman of God that he would want me to be. And I think many of us who are new believers are really in this fight. We are trying to figure this thing out. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a believer in Christ? 
And we are in this battle right now. When we study God's word, it is so crucial for us to look intently into God's word and allow God's word to teach us. Many times we look at God's word and we pluck out what we want and what we feel is good. And we'll accept that, but we won't accept the truth of what it has. This is one of those passages, and I want you to look intently into, the, into this word. This is one of those passages where it steps on your toes as a believer in Christ, especially if you're struggling with sin. If you're struggling with sin. Because what it teaches us in this passage is that I need to crucify that sin. I need to get rid of that sin. That sin should not be a part of my life. And if I want to walk in the Spirit, as Paul is telling us to do, then I need to crucify those things and allow the Holy Spirit to take root inside of my life, therefore growing and becoming fruit of the Spirit. So how do you know if you're a believer in Christ? This is a deep thought. How do you know that you know that you're saved? Have you ever asked that question? I'm sure you probably searched it on TikTok or Instagram. You found a reel that somebody may have posted or put together or something like that. I will tell you, how do you know that you are saved is by your fruit. And we're going to unpack that for the next six weeks. If you really want to know that you're a believer in Christ, is because there is an indwelling of the Holy Spirit within you. And what happens as you grow as a believer in Christ, the more you pursue him, the more the fruit of the Spirit comes out in your life. That's how you know you're saved. If the Holy Spirit is within me, that is very key. Because here's the truth of salvation moment, is that when Jesus forgave you of your sin, that moment of salvation, when he forgave you of your sin, he took out the old and he put in the new. And the new that Jesus talks about in that passage is the indwelling Holy Spirit. The presence of Almighty God is in your life. And all we need to do is to walk in the Spirit. Do the things that God would want us to do. Love the way He would want us to love. Experience the joy that He has for us. The patience, the peace, the self-control, all those things, they come out of us. So if you got your talk sheet, I'm going to unplug this, by the way. You ready? Um, I'm done with the iPad. We're moving on to the next. If you have your talk sheet there, here's where we're going. One, why do I feel like I have a stain everywhere? Every time I look down, I see the stain. Um, uh, if you look throughout all of Scripture, fruit is one of those things that you see over and over and over again. Scripture is very um, organic. That's the best way to describe it. Uh, there's a lot of Planting, sowing, seeding, trees, fruits, roots. The, you, you feel a lot of that all throughout Scripture. And this is one of those, those times in, in where Paul uses the word fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. It's very, it's very um, in those days, people would understand that. They would see an apple tree and go, that's an apple tree, you know? Or uh, that's a grape tree. Uh, I see grapes on it, so I know that that's grapes. And he uses this illustration, and Jesus uses it several different times. I want to point out a couple passages. One, Matthew 3, 8. This is really fun. Uh, John the Baptist says this. John the Baptist says, um, you must therefore produce fruit consistent with repentance. 
Now, if you know John the Baptist, he was calling out a lot of the religious leaders of that day. And they were like uh, faking it as a believer. They were totally faking it. And John the Baptist is calling out these religious leaders right there on the banks of the, the Jordan River. Right before he baptizes Jesus, he calls out all of those guys. He actually calls them a brood of vipers. Like, uh, you talk about calling out some saints. He, he did. And he tells them that you need to produce fruit in accordance with repentance. In other words, your life needs to look like you're growing in your relationship with the Lord. Uh, John 15, 5, which is a classic passage of Scripture. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What does that teach us? That if I'm going to be connected to the vine, which is Jesus, then what's going to come out in me is going to be fruit that looks like Jesus. And so there's this connection that Jesus is talking about in John chapter 15. I did a whole series on this last semester or last fall of last year um, called Abide. And it's just an incredible uh, teaching passage for us. He also talks about it in Matthew chapter 7. And I think this is probably one of the um, Jesus' most definitive words here about what does it mean to bear fruit. He says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their what fruit fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire, and then you will know them by their fruits. So how do I know if you're a believer in Christ? What is Jesus teaching here? How do I know that the people around me are believers in Christ? By the fruit that they bear. He's using the illustration. He's using this analogy of fruit trees. You can't have an orange on an apple tree. That does not make sense. Just like you can't be a believer and love sin. That's what he's teaching. That's what he's telling us. You can't just pick out the good stuff and say, oh, this, is, this makes me feel good. You got to look at the hard stuff too. And Jesus is teaching that here. I, I want to illustrate this teaching just like this. What he's talking about is the difference between a real plant and a fake one. The difference between these two uh, plants, one is real, the other one is fake, okay? For those who are in Christ, there's the work of the Holy Spirit working within you, okay? Being a believer in Christ, this is so good, is not that you would simply go, you know what, I think I need to love right now, so I'm going to love, I know I need to love you. I'm going to love you. No, but rather, those who are in Christ, who have the Holy Spirit working within them, what comes out of their life is going to be love. It's going to be organic that comes from the inside and produced on the outside. What I love about this plant, you can actually see the stalk coming out of the seed up to the top, and what comes out are these beautiful flowers. And that's amazing to me. But here's the tragedy. Many of us in this room are not like this. 
Our Christian life is not reflected like this. Our Christian life is based on performance. We believe that we need to do something in order to be somebody. And it looks like a Christmas tree. Your life is dead. And all you do is, you know what? I need love, so I'm going to just kind of put love on my, make me, I, I feel a little better about myself, about whoever. Or I'll put on an ornament of, 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 of joy. Oh, I got to be happy right now, joy. I'll, I'll, I'll put that on right now because that feels right. That feels like I need to. Or, you know what? <laughs> he tells me I need to be patient. Okay, I'll be patient just for a moment. And I'm really living in patience. Many of us, this is a description of your spiritual life. Performance. I'll go to church because I want to look good. You're not truly living in the vine or truly living who God has created you to be. And here's the truth, absolute truth. Some of you, if not all of you, are not willing to wait for God to actually do something in you. You would much rather do it immediately because that feels right. I'll do it immediately. I'm not willing to wait. Y'all, let me tell you some good truth here, all right? There are three ingredients to good spiritual growth. You ready? Here they go. Three ingredients. Here's the first one. One, good soil. Good soil. Here's the second one. It's pretty obvious. Water. And the third one is what? What do you think? Time. Time. If you want any good flower to grow, you got to be patient with it. you got to allow time to do its thing. Here's what that means. The good soil is your heart. The good soil is your heart. Have you fully surrendered your heart and life to Christ? Are you willing and able to submit to the lordship of Christ over your life? Is your heart tender to the things of God? Do you want him to be involved in your life? All good soil. Water, that's the next thing, right? Water. Water is simply God's word. Are you allowing God's word to feed your life, to change you from the inside out? Are you going to the word, allowing it to replenish your life? Are you thirsty? If you're thirsty, I want to encourage you to step into God's word and allow God's word to teach you even more. And the last one is time. What does that mean? I need to wait on God to do what God can do. Only God can bear that fruit. Only God working within you. My response is to make sure, one, I know the Lord is Savior. Two, I need to get in the Word and be around godly believers who are going to help fuel me in my relationship with the Lord. Y'all, if you do that and you just wait on the Lord to do what only He can do, y'all, your life is going to look beautiful. Now, there may be hard trials to get to this place, but trust me, what God can do is way better than what you and I can do. Way better. And the road and the journey that you may be on in your spiritual life may look a little rocky. But what God wants to do is this. He wants to make you beautiful. And a lot of times you've got to break through the soil of sinfulness, break through the soil of all of those things, allowing 
God to do what only he can do. And here's what, I, oh, it's so good. Um, that in there is love. What's coming out is going to be peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. That's what's going to come out of your life. Y'all, <laughs> quit faking it. Quit. Quit. Some of you faked it, walked in the door tonight. You did. And I'm lovingly coming alongside you. That's not what God desires for you. And to be honest with you, probably the friends around you want you to quit faking it too. It's time to really allow the Lord to do what only he can do. We have to surrender to that. That is what it means to walk in the spirit. Um, Did I check all the blanks? The heart of Jesus for believers is to bear fruit. Every fruit listed that's here is a characteristic of God himself. And the three ingredients, I told you those, good soil, water, and time. The fruit we bear is not for personal consumption. Dun, dun, dun. The fruit that you bear, the spirit within you, is not to make you look good. The spirit moving in us, the fruit coming out of us, is not so that you can pat yourself on the back and say, look, God grew love in me. No. Warren Wiersbe, who's a great theologian and a great commentator, he puts it this way. He says, we must remember, I think the quote's up there, we must remember that this fruit is produced to be eaten, not to be admired and put on display like that. People around us are starving for love, joy, peace, and all the other graces of the Spirit. We don't bear fruit for our own consumption. We bear fruit that others might be fed and helped and that Christ might be glorified. Anybody else convicted? I was as soon as I read it. I stopped. I underlined, like in the commentary, I'm underlining that. I'm like, that is so true. That is so true. The fruit that God is going to grow in you is not for your benefit. It's for his, his benefit. And here's what's amazing. When you start living for the Lord, walking in the spirit, people see the love in you and they want some of it. And that's the moment where you get to start pouring it out. You start living it out. And people around you are attracted to that because you're different. You're not like everybody else. So let's talk about the very first fruit of the Spirit, love. Let's talk about that. I'm going to end my talk here, all right? I did, that's the kind of the setup. And for the next couple of weeks, I think Evan's going to be teaching here in the next two weeks. But we're going to do this tag team thing of really walking through what does it look like to walk in each one of these fruits, all right, so I'm going to unpack just really briefly my last five minutes that I have with you. What does love look like? <laughs> Here's what's funny. I was studying for this for the past week or so, and the, the, <laughs> the song that kept coming in my head was, What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> don't hurt me. No more. I was like, that, why is that song? Every time I would, that comes in my head. That's an old 80s song, 90s song. Y'all knew that song, right? Um, but here's what's wild about that song. 
It's not true. It's not true. Like the lyrics I just quoted you, so not true. If you love me, don't hurt me. That is so, somebody's not living in real life. Because if you really love somebody, you're going to want to speak the truth to them. Because you care for them. You want the best for them. And if they're not doing right, what are you going to tell them? I love you enough to tell you well, you're not doing right. That's the same kind of love God has for you. Same kind of love. He's looking at you. I love you so much, but I'm telling you that the sin that you are embracing in your life is no good. It's time to change. Do something about it. And here's beautiful. I've already done it for you. Jesus said, I did it for you. All you have to do is receive it. All you have to do is accept it. The love that I have for you. For the believer, this is point number one, love comes from God. Love comes from God. For the non-believer, that's for the believer. For the believer in Christ, love comes from God. For the non-believer, it comes from a nice fluttery emotion. For the non-believer, they think if I feel love, then it must be. It must be love. Ooh, I love him. Oh, I love this. I love a good seven broom. You know, I love a non-believer is just going to fantasize about what love is. But for the believer in Christ, they realize that the love that they have, period, is flowing from within, the spirit within me. And what comes out of me is going to be love. Sometimes it looks like compassion. Sometimes it looks like mercy. Sometimes it looks like um, a care for the people around you. You want to do something for them to accept them or to come in and to teach them and to I love you so much, I'm going to tell you the hard truth. I love you so much that I want to spend time with you. That's the kind of love that God is talking about. And um, the best reflection, um, I'm going to skip the verse, uh, our best reflection of love is when we act and think like Christ. That's the best reflection of love. Is when I begin to think and I begin to act like Christ does, then I know I'm truly loving. If I'm loving for uh, uh, selfish reasons, reasons, that was so weird. Um, like if I'm doing it just to please myself, then that's not true love. Because love in God's kingdom is sacrificial. It's sacrificial. One of the definitive passages in Scripture that teach us about love is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. How many of you read the love chapter before? This is the love chapter. And many times we use this as describing romantic love. But that's really not what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians. He's talking about if you're going to reflect the love of God, then this is what it's going to look like. He talks about it. He says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Never loses faith. Is always hopeful. Endures through every circumstance. If you have a copy of God's Word and you have not underlined that verse, do it right now. I'm waiting. Go ahead. Like, that is so good, y'all. If you really want to know what love is, look at that. And if you really want to take your life and compare it 
to God's word about what godly love is, that's a good list for you to look at. Am I patient? Am I kind? Am I boastful? Am I all of these things? For if you find yourself loving people for selfish ambition or for you to feel good, I might question your motivation as to why. Are you really loving as God would want you to love? I'm going to step on your toes one more time and then I'll be done. We don't do this right. We don't love right. And you can, a lot of times you can, <laughs> how you treat the people around you is one defining way to figure out if you did it right or not. If you find yourself so irritated by somebody because they've done nothing to you, <laughs> oh, I just don't like that person. They don't look right. Like, well, they didn't do anything to you. You haven't even talked to them. But so many times you look at him, you go, I don't like you. Like, what? You, huh? But we jump to conclusions every single time. We measure up anybody that walks in the door. We measure up anybody that comes into our life. We don't know them. We've never taken time to know them. But guess what? We kick them to the curb just simply by looks. You are not loving the way that God would want you to love as a believer. Y'all. Mm. We got to learn this. And I say we because I'm talking about me. We need to learn this. How do we love truly as God would want us to love? Because if the Spirit of God is residing within me and it's coming out, I like how Paul put it first. He put love number one on the list. It was at the top of his mind. It said, hey, if the Spirit of God's coming out in me, one of the things that's going to come out is going to be love. Because I really believe this as I studied this passage. Love is really the, the big one. Because in love, all of the others kind of flow around it. Love is very foundational in how God thinks about you, what Jesus did for you, what we need to do to God is to love him first. Y'all, we need to do, like, we, oh, we need to course correct. We need to do something. We need to repent. We need to do something to change our mind about what we think about love and in regard to what we think about the people around us, especially if you're a believer of Christ, especially if you're a believer in Christ. And so many of us need to apologize for the rudeness that we've had. Some of us need to look at the people around us and say, I'm so sorry that I have not treated you as God would want me to treat you. And I am sorry. And I'm saying that not for you to make me look good to me. I'm, not say I'm saying that simply because the conviction of God is all over me and I'm repenting of that and I'm telling you the truth. I am sorry for how I treated you. Some of us need to get really good at that. And you're not because pride won't let you do it. But that's how we as believers in Christ interact with other believers in Christ. We talk freely, openly, and humbly. I'm teaching you something. Here's the final thought about love, and I'm done. Have you fallen in love with Jesus? Because if the Spirit of God is rolling within you and growing within you, the first thing that it looks like is that you love God for what he's done for you on the cross. Oops. You genuinely love him 
because of what he's done for you on the cross. Like you're sitting there thinking in your life, you know what? He saved me. Holy moly. And the response, like he, he loved first, y'all. He loved first. And if that's true, if i am got the spirit of God within me, I've surrendered to him in salvation, what comes out of me is one gratitude and thankfulness for the love of God that he had for me. Let's just read John 3.16. I mean, you probably don't even need to read it. You need to say it. You probably quote it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loves you. And as the band is coming forward, we're going to finish out with some worship. I want you to think about the love of Christ. Don't think about the love you have for the guy across the room. Don't think about the love that you wish you had for the girl on the other side of the room. I want you to think about the love that you have for God. Because the love that you have for God is, one, foundational to your relationship with Him. If you truly love Him, you're going to want to worship Him. You're going to want to talk about Him. You're going to want to share Him. You're going to show Him. You want to tell the people around you, I love God. He has changed my life. I was once a sinner, but now I'm not. I was dead in my sin, but I'm not because of what Jesus has done for me on the cross. He loved me so much that he went to the cross just for me so that I could have eternal life. Y'all, that's where it starts. That's where the relationship with Christ starts. That's where the growth in the plant starts. It starts at salvation, y'all. And some of us need to first surrender to him. And once you do, once you fully surrender him in salvation, then the growing process starts then the growing process starts. It's not the other way around. You don't clean yourself up to accept Christ. You know, you accept Christ and allow him to clean you up. Allow him to do the work in your heart and in life. It's not like, well, Steve, it, once I get rid of, you know, the bad friends, and Steve, once I, you know, once I get um, my, my relationship with my parents right, then, then I'll surrender. Then, well, you know, Steve, once I get rid of that addiction, once I get rid of that, you know, that hard thing, then I'll accept Christ. That is so backwards, y'all. That is so backwards. You're denying the power of God over your life when you say that. Because he has the power to save you. He has it, not you. You don't have the power to save it. He does. And when you fully surrender your heart and your life to Christ, this is so good. When you fully let him change you from the inside out, y'all let him do it. Get rid of the sin. Let it go. Surrender fully to Christ. And let him grow you. And watch the fruit of love come out of you. Watch the fruit of joy come out of you. And peace and patience, kindness. Oh, kindness. We need kindness, don't we? Kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Some of the men in the room need to know that. Self-control. I can't wait till we talk about that one. That one's going to be good. I need to hear that message. Let's just see what God can do when we wait on him and let him do what he does.